we write about strong women. We write about women's lives, mm. and that's important. And we put yeah. their happiness first. Yeah, put value on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And romance is a part of that, and yeah. sometimes it's a greater part of the story or it might be a thread in the story, yeah. but either yeah. way it's yeah. still for the same reason, yeah. isn't it? That's mm-hmm. right. Welcome to Rights for Women, a podcast all about celebrating women's voices and supporting women writers. I'm Pamela Cook, women's fiction author, writing teacher, mentor and podcaster. Before beginning today's chat, I would like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the Dharawal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, along with the traditional owners of the land throughout Australia, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. And a quick reminder that there could be strong language and adult concepts discussed in this podcast, so please be aware of this if you have children around. Let's relax on the convo couch and chat to this week's guest. Hi everyone, Pam here and welcome to another episode of Rights for Women. I just wanted to pop in and do a little quick intro before we get into today's episode. Today's episode is actually another in the series of Talking Romance, which were the episodes were recorded at the Romance Writers of Australia conference in Fremantle in August. Fantastic conference. And you might have caught the first few episodes. So this is a collaboration between Claudine Tanellis and myself. Claudine has the fantastic podcast Talking Aussie Books, and it was Claudine's brilliant idea to talk to a whole bunch of romance authors while we were at the conference about why they write romance, what they love about the conference, what they get from networking with other authors, and also some really fabulous writing tips that we've been getting across this series. And the guests on today's episode are Fiona Lowe, Sasha Wosley, and Anthea Hodgson. And my original intention was to be to intersperse these episodes in between the regular Rights for Women episodes, but I have had COVID the last couple of weeks and I haven't been able to record and haven't been able to do very much of anything. Hence, we've got two weeks last week and this week where I am bringing you the Talking Romance series in place of the regular episodes. There is still plenty there for everybody, even if you are not a romance reader or writer. I'm sure that you'll love today's episode with these three very experienced authors. So before we get on to that chat, just wanted to let you know about a few things that are coming up on Rights for Women. Getting back into regular recordings next week, and I'm very excited to be talking to Jo Riccioni about her brand new fantasy book, The Branded. And I'm reading it now and it's absolutely gripping. It's YA, but it's really suitable for anybody who loves fantasy or who just loves great fiction. So can highly recommend that book of Joe's. So that's The Branded by Joe Riccioni. And I'm going to be talking to Joe about that next week. Joe is also interviewing for the podcast a previous guest, and that's Stacey McEwen, who has her debut fiction out, The Ledge. Now you might have caught my chat with Stacey a few months back about book talk. So Stacey's an Australian fantasy writer who actually managed to get a book deal because of her book talk or TikTok presence. And that's a great interview. If you haven't caught that one yet, really interesting in terms of social media. And even if you're not really committed to the whole book talk thing or to going on to TikTok yourself as an author, it's well worth listening to that chat with Stacey. And I'm really keen to hear Joe's chat with Stacey about the actual book, which has now been released, came out last week, The Ledge, and is really getting lots and lots of hype and promotion. 
Also coming up, I have a chat with a great friend of the podcast, Natasha Lester. And Natasha's most recent book, The Three Lives of Alex St-Pierre, is out now. And as usual, a fantastic read from Natasha. And this time I'm going to be talking to Natasha about a craft issue, and that is creating tension in the writing. So we're going to be looking at tension in plot, tension in character, and tension on the page. So I'm really looking forward to having that chat with Natasha. There may be some spoilers involved, can't promise that there won't be. But anyway, that's going to be really good to talk about that in light of her new release. Also going to have a follow-up chat with Rachel Johns. Rachel and I had a really good Convo Couch chat a couple of months back where we just basically shot the breeze about a whole lot of writing things. And it's been a really popular episode, actually. Lots of downloads. And I think it's just people like to listen in. If you're a writer, you love to talk about writing, you love to hear about writing. And it's just the two of us talking about our writing experiences. And we're going to be doing part two of that next week. So that'll be coming up soon. And I've also got coming up two really interesting chats. One is with Kelly Rimmer, who has also been on the podcast before talking about her books. This time we're going to be talking about how she writes those books. And one of the techniques she uses is dictation. So she actually records the story using a program called Dragon. And this is something that I have been interested in for a while, but have never been able to get my head around because my ideas actually come to me as my fingers are moving, that whole process of the brain finger typing or writing connection. So I'm really curious, after listening to Kelly talk about it at the Romance Writers Conference, it really struck me, maybe I can actually get my head around this. And it might be a useful topic for other writers to listen into, whether you are someone who has tried dictation and hasn't worked for you, Kel might have some tips about that, or whether it's just something that you are interested in being open to and maybe giving it a go. It's certainly working for Kelly and she is a whiz at getting those ideas down and getting the story out. And that's how she works with her first draft using Dragon Dictation. So going to be chatting to her about that and also going to be chatting up, uh, chatting up, not going to be chatting up Anita Heiss. I'm going to be chatting to Anita Heiss. Anita has been on the podcast quite a while ago now, back in the days when Kel was my co-host. And uh, this time I'm going to be talking to Anita about her body of work and What's at the heart of her writing? Anita is a writer who writes across a whole range of topics. She's written romantic comedy. She's written memoir, Am I Black Enough for You? And most recently, her fantastic book, River of Dreams. And that is the title, but it also has an Indigenous title, which I'm not going to pronounce here because I know I'll get it wrong and I don't want to do it a misservice, but I will practice my pronunciation before I speak to Anita and get that title right. I read that book last year and it's absolutely beautiful and, of course, a really important text in terms of an Indigenous woman writing about her own culture and her own family history and research that she's done into that. So lots of really good things coming up. The other thing that I really want to mention to you is a little bit of a change, not too much of a change in Rights for Women, but probably cementing something that I have already started this year, and that is the guest host program. So regular listeners to the show will know that I am fitting the podcast in between a whole lot of other commitments, family, writing, life, and teaching. And while I love doing the podcast, I do find the reading in particular and the research a a huge drain on my time. And as much as I love reading all the books and would love to read more of them, I just physically can't and I really need to get back to prioritising my writing and getting more words down. I'm actually increasing the number of guest hosts we're going to have on Rights for Women 
And it fits in with my whole mission for Rights for Women because one of my aims for Rights for Women, as the tagline is, celebrating women's voices and supporting women writers. By introducing more guest hosts, I'm actually doing more of that, I feel, and I'm also giving those authors who are the guest hosts an opportunity to talk to writers who they want to talk to, to talk about their own books and to hopefully let you have a little bit more insight into their lives as well and into their writing. So I'm really excited that I have contacted a whole bunch of writer friends and a whole lot of them have come back and are really keen to get on board with this idea. So I'm going to have people like guest hosts who you already will have heard on Rights for Women. So Rachel Johns, Cassie Hamer, Ray Cairns, and Joe Riccioni is joining us as a guest host. Meredith Jaffe is going to come on. She's already done a guest host appearance, but she's going to be talking to hopefully a playwright in the coming months. Cassie Hamer and also Mary Lou Stevens, who has been on the podcast previously and who has also been a guest host. And also introducing some new guest hosts, Ankari Chandran, who was on the podcast a couple of months ago with her book, Chai Time at Cinnamon Gardens. And a whole lot of hopefully other Australian women writers who are going to be joining us on the Convo Couch. And they're going to be talking to new release authors, doing some craft episodes, some heart and business of writing episodes, just as I have been. I'll still be, of course, doing the podcasts as well. So my goal is for me to actually do two episodes a month and to mix that up with two guest hosts a month as well. So I hope that everybody thinks that's a great idea and it does give the microphone to some new voices and some new people that you will hopefully become familiar with. I have asked them to feel free to share their writing tips, to share what they're doing in their writing life, just as I do with you. And I think it will really build the Rights for Women community and make the podcast even stronger. So would love to hear your thoughts about that. If you're a listener, would love to hear any ideas you have on guest hosts or guest guests to have on the convo couch so please let me know what else the other another thing that I've got happening next week via writing New South Wales I'm running my turn up the tension course now this is a course that I have run numerous times before both independently and through writing New South Wales this time it's an online course from October 19 to October 25 with writing New South Wales you can go onto their website in the show notes and have a look at that. There are still places available. It's a really great way of doing a course. It means there's no commitment to go for a whole day anywhere. It's around the same length as a workshop that you would do if you went, say, to Writing New South Wales for a day from 10 to 4. It's just split up. You can tune in over each day for an hour or so between uh, the Wednesday and the Sunday. You can just join in the group discussion. There's plenty of resources. There's plenty of information that I put on there and there are some writing exercises. There's one shorter and one slightly longer set assignment for you to do in which you'll get feedback from the group and from myself. And there's plenty of opportunities to ask questions. Of course, one of my mantras with writing is tension on every page that I learned from writing guru Donald Mass. And that's basically the idea behind turning up the tension in the online course. So would love for you to join us for that. Have a look in the show notes, Writing New South Wales, Turn Up the Tension, October 19 to 25. And of course, the beauty is you can do it from anywhere. And writing New South Wales prices are really reasonable too. The other thing I just want to let you know before we get on to the actual episode with these fabulous romance writers 
is that all we dream my most recent book which came out last year is currently a kindle monthly deal amazon kindle monthly deal and it's available at amazon.com.au for just a dollar 49 just for the month of october so if it's one of those books you've been thinking oh yeah i might try that i might read that if this is a great time to buy it if you read your books digitally and of course anybody who does want to read a print copy can contact me send me an email at at pamelacook.com.au and I can definitely get a copy out to you or you can order through my website. But yeah, Kindle Monthly Deal, $1.49 at amazon.com.au. The other thing I am planning in the next few weeks is I'm looking at doing a retreat or two next year. So if anyone has any expressions of interest, if you want to let me know that you're interested in that, you can email me as well. And yeah, I'm looking at doing maybe a weekend or a a long weekend somewhere, hopefully not too far out of Sydney. Would love to run the Fiji course that Jodie Fleming and I were going to run a few years ago. So that's possibility as well. The psychology of character, which we were going to run in Fiji a few years ago, but then COVID hit. So anyway, I am planning retreats for next year. So that is about it. I hope you enjoyed this Talking Romance episode. Don't forget to tune in to Talking Aussie Books where there's already a few episodes up in, in this series and, of course, there are a few episodes already up on Rights for Women as well. So sit back, grab a cuppa, and I hope you enjoyed this chat with Fiona Lowe, Sasha Wosley and Anthea Hodgson. Hi, I'm Pamela Cook, host and producer of the Rights for Women podcast. And I'm Claudine Tanellis from Talking Aussie Books. We've joined forces to bring you a series of exciting interviews from the recent Romance Writers of Australia conference in Fremantle. Chatting with authors whose work ranges from historical and contemporary fiction, crime and rural romance, rom-coms and domestic thrillers. We wanted to know what being part of an organisation like the RWA meant to each of them. And the impact it had on their respective journeys to publication. We had a blast chatting to these brilliant women and can't wait to share the results. So tune in to Rights for Women and Talking Aussie Books over the next eight weeks for these fabulous episodes. Happy listening. So Sasha Wosley. Hello. Anthea Hodgson. Hello. And Fiona Lowe. Hello. Welcome to the Talking Aussie Books slash Rights for Women, RWA Green Room. Oh, okay. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you. Thank you. Fancy time. So we're going to start with you just giving us a very quick elevator bio, if you could, Sasha. Oh, elevator bio. Okay. I'm Sasha Wosley. I write adult commercial fiction and I also write middle grade now as Ash Harrier. I've lived in Perth all my life and I'm a tragic nerd for nature and puns and historical fiction. Fabulous. Thanks, Sasha. Very interesting. I'm less interesting. I'm Anthea Hodson. I write commercial fiction and a little bit of historical fiction. I'm an ex-radio producer. I'm from the Wheatbelt WA. I live in Perth. My writing partner is a Labrador. Oh, excellent. Love it. Very good. I'm Fiona Lowe. I'm an author. I'm a partner. I'm a mother. I'm a guardian of 80 rose bushes and slave to a cat. And I'm often fan collapsed on the couch with wine. And I'm currently writing women's fiction, hence collapsed on the couch with wine. I love it. So what impact has being a member of RWA and coming to conference had on your writing? Fiona, we'll start with you for that one. I think it comes down to three things. It's definitely uh, professional development and networking opportunities and friendship, absolutely Mm. friendship. How many years have you been coming, Fiona? I joined, we came home from America. I joined in 2005. So how many conferences do you think you've been? Oh, gosh. Mm. 
Oh, I'd have to actually calculate. Come back to me on that. Okay. I'll add it up. <laughs> That's enough yes. that you can't count. <laughs> I also probably couldn't count, but only because I don't have math skills. I really have a lot to thank the RWA for because I am published because of the RWA because I pitched in Melbourne in 2015 and was picked up by Penguin and was subsequently published. Yeah, it's everything that Fiona said in terms of friendship and development. But, yeah, that, that pitching opportunity is huge in my mind because that was where my career started, yeah. Fantastic. Sasha? Oh, I'm probably the naughty girl here today because I'm not always committed to coming to conference and that's been for various reasons. I've been raising a couple of kids with extra needs and then COVID happened so I didn't come to any of the ones that were happening during that time because it was just too scary with everything being cancelled all the time. So I've only actually been to one (laughs) but the one I went to was fantastic. The networking like Fiona said was amazing and yeah just meeting people. Putting faces to names was the best part of it for me and now I've got Still got those online friendships, but I know them. Yeah. I know the people now and I can contact them, send them a DM and share their news and congratulate them and it feels more genuine than just being online. Yeah, it's great, isn't it, when you meet people here at conference or I guess anywhere we're talking about conference and you've had that contact on social media and you feel like you already know them, yeah. but then yeah. you actually yeah. see them and it yeah. becomes a real relationship yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, you see it downstairs yeah. um, in the foyer where everyone's meeting up. Mm. You get a lot with people just meeting up and go, oh, you're so awesome. Mm-hmm. How's the cat? All that sort of yeah. stuff because people- <laughs> I think it must be 15. Wow. Is it really? There you mm. go. There's some gaps. I yeah. knew when the kids were in year nine and that was it was they were at boarding school and that was a huge parent weekend. So wow. I didn't go. And I was on the committee for the 2008 conference in Melbourne and it took me two years to recover from that. I did miss two, <laughs> but I missed 2009 more, more because I actually had to, yeah, it was the parent weekend. But yeah, I've definitely come to, to Frio. And so mostly I'm there. Yeah, it's yeah. great. You're a veteran. Fiona MacArthur has never missed a one, except she must have missed. We did not the see one, her the lockdown. 2020. We did yeah. not see her. <laughs> <laughs> she must have. But, but up until the two COVID years, I believe that she has attended every single conference from the very first wow. conference. Mm. That's impressive. Mm. Yeah, which I believe was in Melbourne. Alison Bridson was also at the first conference. I bet she knows some That was before my time. <laughs> oh, actually, she has some spectacular ones. Buy a drink. Yeah. <laughs> I won't steal her thunder. I've heard that. But, yeah, that was before my time. We yeah. should dedicate a whole episode yeah. to just yeah. the yeah. her stories, I think. So moving on to romance and romance writing, what do you think is the biggest misconception about the romance genre and or romance authors. Fiona, let's start with you on that one. I gave a bit of thought to this and I have decided that people will say that romance is a cliché and yet how can it be a cliché when human beings strive constantly for connection Mm. and people seek out those connections even when they've been desperately hurt, even when they've lost a partner through to death or even when they've been through a filthy divorce, they ultimately mostly recover and what are they wanting to do? They want to seek a relationship and that's almost my argument. And it gives people pause to think then. Mm. Why can you hang it on romance when in actual fact you're living your life seeking it? Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, I agree with that. And, and I'd also add to that the idea that it's cliched when murder mysteries don't get told, well, absolutely, that's a cliche. There's a dead body in it and we love it and we go along with that ride just as we do with romance, <laughs> we go along with that ride. You've got thrillers with their things going mm. on, you've got murder mysteries, you've got all that. 
It's the same sort of thing, but it tends to be poo-pooed for whatever reason. Well, it's a whole patriarchy issue, really, because they're written mostly by women for women Mm -hmm. in the majority. And and I get really mostly distressed when feminists take on the patriarchy view as well and tell you that you shouldn't be reading them. So, yes, so I agree. that yeah. the sisterhood has to address that. But I think mm. just to that, the thing that I've noticed lately is with the TikTok generation and with things like Bridgerton, it's like people have been given permission for it to be cool again. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm feeling a little bit like, hello, I almost don't care that you think it's cool or not because I'm not waiting for you to approve of me finally. <laughs> yeah. But you're doing this. Yeah, now. yeah. This Bridgerton is, is, is actually has existed for a long time mm. before you thought it was cool and you had permission to like it and now everyone's liking it. I feel the same way about the TikTok. It's, it's largely mm. romance. Great. That's awesome. Love romance. That's why I'm here. But I feel like we had to wait till someone was cool before we could mm. talk about romance and people like regard it as worthy. Yeah. 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 bringing that song back to the top, yeah. top of the chart. Yeah, it was always an awesome song. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> My daughters were amazed that I knew it knew the words. Yeah, yeah. It's really old. I've got friends whose kids said, hey, you've got to listen to this song. So in my view, I 100% agree with Anthea and Fiona. I think that what they said is pretty much what I would have said. But I just want to add that I don't think that feminism and romance are incompatible mm-hmm. either. I think that it's there's something actually quite radical about a woman-centred story where the woman is going for the best possible relationship she can find. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And all my, I write about really strong women and I'm not saying that all feminists, I'm saying that they're, that the feminists that take a shot at oh, romance fiction, I'm, I'm they're the ones yeah. that have absorbed the patriarchy. And oh, yeah, they should, actually, and you point that out because they should be rightfully horrified that they have done that. Yeah. But you're right. We write about strong women. We write about women's lives. Mm. And that's important. And we put yeah. their happiness first. Yeah, put value on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And romance is a part of that. And yeah. sometimes it's a greater part of the story or it might be a thread in the story. Yeah. But either yeah. way, it's yeah. still for the same reason, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I always think this when we talk about women's fiction as well because it's relationship-centred, basically. Mm. I think that's what makes it. It is. Women's mm. fiction, quote, unquote. And I think at the end of our lives when we're lying on our deathbeds, are we going to thinking, be thinking about how much money we've got in the bank or what career goals we achieved or are we going to be thinking about the people who love us mm-hmm. and who we love? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and that's what draws us to, those, to write those stories yeah. and to read them as yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Connections. We could talk about that for a while. So you can answer all three parts of this question or you can choose one. What's your funniest, most embarrassing slash most memorable moment as an author? Anthea? Oh, for goodness sakes, I'm shaking my head when it came to me. Was that not a hit? I don't have, the first two I don't have. I'm really trying to think of a funny one and I really don't have one. If I have an embarrassing one, I've blotted it from my memory <laughs> and I don't wish to go 2 o'clock in the morning I'll go, oh, my God, I did that. <laughs> so I'm going to say most memorable, and even there I'm struggling, but what has stayed with me in terms of my writing has been more of a quiet memorable, which is my first two novels were written about my hometown and my community, my family, my farm. And so what has been memorable to me about that has been I didn't realise I was writing for old men and young people and all that. And my first novel was about my about the death of my father in its own way. It's not actually about that 
the novel's not about that. But all his friends read it because they oh. knew. And it it speaks a lot about the countryside and they really related to that and that surprised me because I, I was, like, writing stuff and didn't realise it would connect on that level. Wow. And I think my next project, which about my great-aunt who died in the Banker Island Massacre, the connection with the family in that as well I've really loved and done a ton of research and heard so many anecdotes about these nurses and just that connection to history and family has mm. been the thing that has stayed with me and going to all the places that she was and that they were has been really important to me so it's not been a big thing as in it's not a cool story but that's what's meant a lot to mm. me in, in no writing. I think it's yeah. lovely it really shows how you know heartfelt the, yeah. the writing has yeah. been for you. Yeah, and in you. itself it's been, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I, I've not met the Queen, but it's, it has been pretty recent. Fiona? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have got numerous. Oh, numerous. <laughs> <laughs> 15, uh, <laughs> in you should. And, and I actually, because, you know, I blanket these things, I actually sent a text yesterday and, and the first one came back was when my son said, remember when you were on deadline and you reached for the lip balm and it was Vegemite? <laughs> True. That's very true. And my eldest son said, what about when you were on deadline and you made hedgehog, but you put six herbs instead of sprinkles on the top? But the, and I said, yeah, that's true. I can tell those. But the the piece de resistance one I realised myself was I was on book tour for Home Fires, I think it was, and I live in southwest Victoria and I needed to go to Endeavour Hills, which which meant um, navigating Melbourne traffic. And so I wasn't going to go. I had to be there at 10 o'clock in the morning. I wasn't, I would have had to leave home at six for the traffic. So I said, I'll go to my sister's the night before. So they they didn't have a bookseller. So I had to take books. So I had the float. I had the books. I had the banners. I had the, the computer with the PowerPoint presentation. I had everything that I needed in the box of tricks for signing books, the works. And I packed the, and it's a long drive. So I was in my trackie tracky pants and my polar fleece it was winter and I pull up three hours later at my sister's place and I pull on the handbrake and I go holy smoke and I can see very clearly hanging up at the back door are all my clothes my shoes the frock I was going to wear the works (laughs) and I am in and I had my pajamas they were in the case I had a clean knickers they were in the case I was like oh my god and so my my sister staying with my sister. So she produces her wardrobe, but she dresses very differently. Oh, <laughs> and I had to borrow, so I had to borrow a frock. I had to wear her shoes, which I squeezed into because my feet are slightly bigger. And I, it really reminded me. It was and it was ironic because in home fires they've lost everything, and you really. Are, better off to give people a voucher. They need to be able to go and buy their own underwear mm-hmm. and their own socks and things. You can find things from the op shop, but there's some things that are just them and you shouldn't ever be wearing other people's bits. And I was starting to wear other people's <laughs> And this frock and everyone said, oh, my God, you look amazing. But, like, I look at the photos of that thing and I told the story like it's a good laugh. And everyone said, oh, my God, you should wear it. But it was leopard print. I do not wear leopard print. I said, but I look at that picture and I think, that's not me. <laughs> anyway, it was a good story. I'm, yeah. I'm picturing you hobbling in in the shoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the tight shoes. Yeah, I'm seeing stilettos. Yeah. Everyone's going, oh, is this like yeah. Jackie? Jackie yeah, and really I would have been in the fine cords, the boots and the, the Western District's jacket looking quite rural. But I would have loved to see you in the trackies. Yeah, that would have been beautiful. Right. Yeah. They would have gone, wow, what a down to earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wear your gardening clothes. I thought you were going to say for a minute there you were going to walk in in your 
pyjamas. <laughs> That's tonight. That is tonight. <laughs> that is tonight. The party at night. Follow that one up, Sam. Oh, gosh, I don't think I can. <laughs> there was the time that Anthea and I had a gig in Bustleton for our books mm-hmm. and Google Maps took us a very strange direction just to get to the Bustleton Library and mm-hmm. it landed us up at this swamp. And we, <laughs> we got <laughs> sus at that point. Yeah. <laughs> when when uh, Mrs saying. Google said, um, leave your car and walk. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, oh, were you being lured? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, we made it. The look on the librarian's face was not very... Um, and it's not that big a town either, Sash, so I don't know how we managed <laughs> to do it. Yeah. But probably one of my most memorable moments was when I was a baby author. I had one book out and it was a paranormal young adult and a friend invited me to come and talk to her writing students at a high school. And a few months later she invited me to come back because I had another book out and one of the girls there was so engaged with my book that she painted some fan art. Oh, oh wonderful. She had painted one of the characters and she presented it to me and that was like such a highlight. Yeah, I've got it great. still up on my wall. I love oh, it. Yeah, that's, that's precious, lovely. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. you've had really a big good. impression. <laughs> lovely. Who was your biggest author crush and why? Sasha? Oh, gosh. I was hoping <laughs> you wouldn't start with me. It's probably, I'm not afraid what I write in terms of genre, but mostly I read darker stuff because I, I do love a bit of gore. So probably Tana French, who is a, an Irish crime and mystery writer, and I just emulate her character construction. It's just incredible. I totally would recommend, even if you're not a huge crime mystery fan, just pick up and read something of hers because it's just masterly. I don't know why she's not big. Yeah, it's funny, isn't mm. it? You come across those writers and you think, why isn't this person mm, yeah. known in every household? Yeah. yeah. I actually emailed her once and I'd had a glass of wine and I just finished one of her books and I, I felt overflowing with effusion. <laughs> <laughs> so I emailed her and said, I've just finished the last one of your published books and I'm desperate for the next one. When is it coming out? And I got dead silence in reply. I've never had a reply. That's a bit disappointing. (laughs) Maybe it went into her spam and she didn't see it. Or maybe she thought, what a weird drunk (laughs) (laughs) No, we'll go with the spam. What about you? Jane Austen, because she writes the best characters. She writes beautifully flawed characters and she had such a a great eye for human foibles. So Mm. I love Jane Austen. Yes agree with that what about you yes. I confess I don't really have one because there are too many and I'm sure we're all the same mm. with that so I cheated and I was just speaking to Kelly Rimmer who is bloody adorable and I really loved her book of course the name escapes because she's written it down but World War Two and uh, small, small things the ones with the feet on the front <laughs> no, the no yet not yeah, the one with the shoes on the front. Oh, is the things, things we cannot say. Thank you. That's the one. <laughs> the <things> right. we <laughs> I need a high mind just because I've, I've reached that stage. But yeah, I love that mm. book, and she's such a great chick. I was just talking to her, so she's top of mind. But because she's writing historical, she writes so beautifully, and she keeps the grit in, which I like. Mm. I like the not idealized, the real grit, and I really came out of that really feeling that. So I just think she did it so well, mm. and she's such a warm, genuine person as well. She's gosh, yes, yeah, good choice. I love that book. Love yes. all of the, her books. Where are we? How do you go about, each of you are at different stages in your career, but you're all very experienced authors. So how do you go about continuing to develop your skills as a writer? Fiona? I read a lot. I try to read a lot. I'm doing a lot of audiobooks reading mm. these days. I do courses. 
and I listen to I listen to podcasts, not necessarily about writing, but about all sorts of different things. And I think that I actually found when we went into lockdown, I'm Victorian, so we were locked down basically for two years. And I said ah, initially, it's not a it's not an issue. It's not a, it's not a bother because I've always worked from home. And but what I have discovered is all the things that we lost, like going to the theatre, being in cafes, and eavesdropping on conversations, going out to dinner, those sorts of things. That it's it's not so much professional development that I've lacked. It's exposure to just normal. Well, no, not normal. It's exposure <laughs> to people. Mm-hmm. And hearing little snippets, like I go camping and in the mornings I get up and I'm in a little hollow and I get up to do a bit of writing and, and everyone else is, is asleep in the family, but people are out exercising and women like to talk as they walk. Mm-hmm. And I hear snippets and I hear things like, oh, I had to come out of the chemo. or and But the best one I heard was, and I really wanted to jump up and chase them, and <laughs> was, Just follow them. is he still seeing the prostitute? <laughs> so the question of that is, who's he? And yeah. is it a husband, a disabled brother? Is it all this? And that's actually where I get my inspiration from for future stories. Mm. And yesterday someone told oh, I've forgotten that. I hope I've got to go back and focus quietly and write it down. But I heard some great story yesterday mm. with that. I'm going to put that in it. Oh, that's right. Fiona MacArthur was telling me this great story. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, I could put that in a book. So actually I think I need that. Yeah. And I think that social media has severely impacted on stifling creativity because you get on and you see the big but it's not real you're better off Mm. reading the paper or hearing those snippets of conversations Mm. or listening to podcasts about Mm. interviews i i like i love esther perel oh yeah for me that's my professional Mm. development for the types of books i write yeah i love that and the other one i love to listen to for that same reason is the speaking of psychology and conversations oh i am such a huge conversations fan oh yes lots of gold in there i listen to those all those yes how about you very little other i do listen to a lot of podcasts and it's love conversations as well through a lot of different topics and things and quite often ideas come up for me. Every now and again something will happen and I'll send it off to Rachel Johns as well thinking because I know things she's thinking about. So mm-hmm. I, I do love that because I used to work in radio. I love that storytelling and it kind of feels like it's been replaced by podcasts. So I do listen to a lot of podcasts. In terms of I don't do too many courses and I really should. It's just lack of organisation. I read a lot and I'd say that's probably... All I do really, just more, a lot of terrible writing. I probably do a lot of terrible (laughs) writing. Really a lot of my development is working out what not to do. I think that one of the best things is reading. Mm. Go and read your favourite books. You will learn so much from that author that is your favourite author because you like their story construction you must like their character and you can learn so much from them and I remember way back when I was struggling to get published and I was struggling I was trying to target Mills and Boone and conflict was an issue I was saying but I read these books there's no conflict in these little books there's nothing in these what do you mean conflict and an acquaintance said to me get a copy from the op shop of a book that it doesn't matter and get a highlighter Mm. and read the book looking for the conflict it was like I had been battling this for two years it was this major light bulb went off in my head I was highlighting it I saw it I went on the next book sold 
So I've always a big fan about read who you love and you will always learn from. And analyse it and pull it apart. Yeah, you have to read it analytically. Well done, Pamela. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yes, read it analytically. Read it. Do that. And I that's a big bit of writing advice to newbies. I say find your favourite reader, read that book, but then read it analytically. Yeah, I love that. How about you, Sasha? Have you got particular things that you do to continue? Yeah, I'm a bit of a tart for going to courses. I love courses. So if there's something that comes up especially if it's uh, in in Perth and only two hours that's perfect for me I don't tend to do like the long three-day ones or Mm. anything like that doesn't work with kids and everything but certainly I go out for a Saturday morning and attend a course and I usually do it on the stuff that'll really challenge me how to write otherness difference Mm. and being inclusive in writing and talking about disability and stuff like that because I know that at some stage, if I'm wanting to write about things like that, then I'll have a bit of the theory or a bit of an understanding of how to approach it, at least, or who to talk to about it. Fantastic. Where are we? Oh, we've touched on this, but we'll just go back to it quickly. What would be your favourite writing book or any, really, podcast? The one I'm totally addicted to at the moment and listen to constantly is called Grave Histories. It's two young women, and they're both historians, One's from Scotland, one's from England, and they just tell the best story. So they do a bit of a deep dive, a bit of research. They tell stuff that might have some paranormal factors to it, but they take a very sceptical approach, which is good because that's actually how I like to look at paranormal stuff as well. I like to try and debunk it, and if I can't, that's when it's exciting for me. I love it because it's giving me some kind of macabre history, which is a good basis for the kids' books I'm working on. Yeah, excellent. (laughs) Fantastic. Anthea, any that you particularly? One that I started ages ago was So You Want to Be a Writer, which yeah. I really enjoyed listening to. Obviously do Rights for Women and I do Writers Book Club a lot. And there's another one that I did want to write down and didn't, so, of course, I'm blanking. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a few writers' ones that I really enjoy and some I go back into. If there's a topic, like you were talking about deep character at one point like oh and, yeah. And I, yeah, that's mm. what I need for what I'm, like where I am in my writing and right. then I'll go back. And like re-listen to, oh, yes, I'm not doing that. And so, yeah, I quite often will go back through things and think I did hear something about that a while ago and back, go back into Mm. the podcast. So, yeah, I find them really valuable. Mm. Mm. How about you, Fiona? The interpersonal relationship ones and and the conversations. And I like long-distance calling, which is Geraldine Doog and her daughter, Eliza. Uh, Yeah, and they chat about you know, it ranges from what's in the news to what's going on at home. And it originally started off because Eliza was an expat in Indonesia and then in Lebanon and Geraldine was at home and this mm. would be their call, their long-distance call each week to catch up. And I've been an expat and I could relate to a whole lot of raising kids in another country when your husband's whipping around at lots of other places. But now Eliza's home and it's changed a bit. But, yeah, I really like their take on things and they have a matching Facebook page, although and I, during the lockdown I used to go and like, it was like a little community. I, I don't do it as much now, but it's good. Yeah, no, I've heard of that one and I've always meant to tune in. So but, like, any up. interviews or deep interviews, mm. I like anything interpersonal. I mm. want the stories and I'm always looking for stories so that I can maybe borrow. Yeah. (laughs) Borrow a strand. Borrow a strand. And so, for instance, in a home like ours, I wanted a, I needed a chronic illness and I'd already had that in my head. And But I was listening to an Esther Perel interview Mm. and she does these things where she would just interview a couple and give them 60 minutes. They're not ongoing clients and she just teases out these major issues Mm. in this 60 minute and it's illuminating and there was one in there about a young man with parkinson's and i thought 
that's what I have to do. That will be it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, lots of resources out there, aren't there? Oh, yeah. they are. And you can listen to podcasts when you. It's like I, why I love yeah. audiobooks because you can be cleaning the house, mm. you can be gardening, you can mm. be running, exercising, driving, whatever, yeah. driving, <laughs> and you can. You've got all this information. Mm. So That's fantastic. Yeah. Tell us about your most recent release or an imminent release, Sasha. Oh, okay. My most recent release, that's actually a bit of a mouthful, was A Caravan Like a Canary, which came out in April. It is about Tara Button, who, when she was a kid, she and her brother Zach went on an ill-fated caravan trip up the coast of WA with their mum. And now she's dying. So this is 20 years later. Mum's dying. She's asked them to bring her the old yellow caravan that they went on the trip in. So they redo the trip. And it's an eye-opener for them both in that they get to uncover a whole bunch of secrets and things um, just by visiting old places that they hadn't worked out first time around because they were just kids. Mm. Uh, So it's a healing journey for Mm. Tara, but also there's the added problem of some bikies following them up the coast, uh, which is something to do with Zach, which I won't spoil. (laughs) But um, yeah, for Tara, it's coming to terms with some stuff that went on for her, trying to find what she's passionate about because she's just, followed the script for all this time mm. and maybe having some healing with their mum as well. And is your middle grade novel out? Or oh, yeah, sorry, I out? forgot about that. That's an even more recent release. It literally came out last Tuesday. It's about Alice England who grew up in a funeral parlour and when I say grew up, she's only 12, so she's still at the funeral parlour and she helps her dad arrange the trinkets on the bodies. Sometimes when she touches these trinkets, she has a little snippet of a story from the person who mm-hmm. has passed away. And she realises that the latest body did not necessarily die a natural death, even though that's what the coroner reported. So she befriends this guy's niece and another boy who's got secrets of his own, and they go solving a mystery. Oh, And that one's published as Ash Harrier, though, so that's okay. not, not a session. Wasn't Fantastic. Mm-hmm. My next book I, I touched on before, it's out in for Anzac Day, and it's... It's got a title. It does. It's called War Nurses, which... It being about nurses in the war, I'm quite grateful. I had to write the working title of The Girls on the Beach because World War II, Singapore Falls, nurses and wounded soldiers and some expats all jump on a ship called the Viner Brook. They're going out to the, the South China Sea, but they are bombed by the Japanese. Some of them drown or in the ocean. Some of them make it to an island called Banker Island. Of those, some of them are then interned for the rest of the war in Sumatra and suffer terribly some of them die in the jungles and never make it home of another group that makes it to banker island my great aunt minnie hodson was one they make it to banker island with their wounded they they then go to the japanese and surrender to the japanese hoping not expecting hoping to be taken prisoner the japanese come back and they take the men around the headland and bayonet them to death they come back and set up a, a machine gun the nurses hold hands and walk into the ocean and they machine gun them to death. And I was inspired to write it, obviously, because my aunt was one of those women who was shot, Mm -hmm. but also because this is amazing, two amazing, they're all amazing, two amazing people. One was matron Irene Drummond who called out to the girls and said, chin up girls, I love you and I'm proud of you all as they were walking Mm. in. And I just thought the bravery and the love. Just, I had to write it. And then this this other girl, her name was Vivian Bullwinkle, and she was taller than the rest of the girls. And because the guy had set up the thing at a certain level, the uh, machine gun, 
it hit her at a different spot. She fell forward and didn't die. Mm -hmm. And so she then, with another soldier, surrendered and survived the war. And they kept that secret because they knew if they said anything, they would come and kill Mm -hmm. them all because they didn't want the secret to get out. What we've since very strongly suspect, and that seems very sad, and so I'm going to bore you with now, is that they were probably raped beforehand. But because it was the greatest shame they didn't want to have the indignity of that on their memory mm. as well at the time it was kept secret as well. Okay. So I've fictionalised yeah. it. It's, it. It is a life riot, but it's not a life riot. <laughs> so mm. it's funny mm. because they were really tough and funny women. Yeah, yeah. So they it's, it's not depressing life. because they are just yeah. so brave and they just look after each other and so much of it is literally what happened. I've started oh. to retell it. If anyone can make that story readable out there, it's really <gasps> And Vivian Winkle returned to Melbourne and Mm -hmm. she worked at the Alfred and when I was a student nurse in in the garden of the nurse's home was uh, a memorial. She she ended up living in the same street here in WA as my grandfather who was the brother of the girl who lost and and, yeah and they've been same street in Midlands and she died here. Oh wow. Yeah. Fiona, how about you? Ladies, Felice, oh, yeah, sorry. I was so taken in by <laughs> fascinated and thinking sorry. about all that. Right. Right. Centre, all these promote courageous. your book, Fiona. My latest release was March and A Family of Strangers. And as usual, I've taken three women, but the theme for this book is escape. And I wanted to explore the tendency of human beings is that, especially after COVID, we want to escape our lives, but often we perhaps need to stop, stand and examine our lives. And I've got various times of forms of escape. I have a couple that have decided that they are moving to a, having a sea change and they're going to share the domestic load, they're going to work from home and it's all going to be wonderful after they have a great holiday and they fail mm-hmm. to understand that, you know, that doesn't translate. So I look at that relationship. I have Addie who has returned home and she's a workaholic but she's and she's also starting to struggle with alcohol and she would say she doesn't have an issue with alcohol but she does and we look at the challenges that she's facing and when she returns home and the ghosts of her past. And then we have Brenda, whose husband died about a year ago and she's got a new partner, and but she's got adult children and a difficult relationship with her daughter and trying to introduce and how that will go. And I pull them all together in a community choir. Oh, and then there is oh, one huge, big betrayal that is very difficult to come back from. So how, they, oh. how do they recover from that? So, yes, escape. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. Just before we wrap up, in probably 30 seconds or less, top tip for writers, Sasha? Start something new. So if you've been sending the same manuscript to publisher after publisher and you're not getting anywhere with it, put it aside for a while because it might not be your first book and go ahead and write something new because that might be your first book. Mm, Fantastic. Good good advice. Mine's not very inspirational (laughs) compared to that now. Mine is right crap. Because I think if ever I'm getting signed down, getting blocked, I'm just it's afraid I'm, what I'm writing is rubbish. And so I think you have sometimes just write, and then if you come back and look at it, it may not be as bad as you think, or you make a work out an idea is not working for you, and you can move on. But for me, it's it's just write crap and be free to write crap because there might still be something in it. Yeah, that's yeah, what no, I, I do every day. <laughs> 
no, seriously, you think. Seriously, you think, oh my God, <laughs> that's just shocking. And you turn up the next morning and you're ready to go, oh, that's nice, person. Or some great idea comes out of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you've got something to work on there. So that's, you can't edit a blank page. I say turn up every day, but at least five days a week. Because my experience is that the more time you put between each time you write, the more you will distance, your brain distance itself. And if you, and even if you can only do 30 minutes, but it just keeps your mind connected to the story. Mm, that's yeah, that's I love, very true. I heard a good quote on that once. It was like staying in the dream of your story. Mm, and I love that. Yeah, it's mm, a yeah. really good it's way of thinking about it. Thank you so much, ladies. Oh, we've been talking for hours. hours. But who do we with? It's been lots of fun. We will tonight. Yes. 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 So, thanks, Phil. Thank you very Thank much. You, Thanks for listening to Rights for Women. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with this week's guest. If you did, I'd love it if you could add a quick rating or review wherever you get your podcasts so others can more easily find the episodes. Don't forget to check out the backlist on the Rights for Women website. So much great writing advice in the library there. And you can also find the transcript of today's chat on the website too. You can find details on the website on how to support the podcast through Patreon, and get exclusive access to the extended audio and video of the monthly craft episode. And you can connect with me through the website at rightsforwomen.com, on Instagram and Twitter at W4WPodcast, the Facebook page Rights for Women. Find me and my writing at pamelacook.com.au. Have a great week, and remember, every word you write, you're one word closer to typing the end. <laughs>